0: Welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. It's me and David for the next couple of days. Steven is in Vegas before me. He's coming back after. So it's going to be kind of fun, these next two shows. It's David and I, and it's going to be a little different than usual because today we're going to talk a little bit about the trade deadline. And then on Monday when we come back, it's going to be more impromptu than usual because I'm not going to have the time to prepare with the flight back. So it's going to be a little bit more chaotic, which I think from time to time can actually be a really fun thing to have more of a just natural discussion. Like You're almost hearing what we're thinking on Sunday as it's going on. But before we get going into this show, David, let's throw it over to you. How are you doing, man? I know you're stressed out. You're busy. Work's going crazy. Hopefully football is treating you all right, though.
1: Yeah, life is good. I can't complain. I don't know. I got nothing. Well, that's
0: fine. No, I was going to say, we're going to have plenty for you to talk about here in a second. But I'm just revving up for the Vegas trip, excited. But I was telling you before, I'm a big guy. So the actual traveling itself stresses me the hell out. Because I'm the guy that is already self-conscious about where I look. So I'm sitting like this. People at home can't see, but you're doing the arms crossed. You're doing the basically crunch your your little Wally into your stomach as your legs are just getting shoved into you. So if we could fast forward 24 hours, I'd be doing really well. But right now, (laughs) I'm just stressed the hell out, David.
1: I feel that. I know that life.
0: And that's why I love you. Because you get me. You're not as big as me either, but you try to sell me on it. I appreciate it. But let's get into it. Everybody saw Monday night, you and I were shell shocked. Steven, credit to him, he was right. The Cleveland Browns on Halloween night took it to the Cincinnati Bengals. It was 32-13, to but that's almost misleading because the Bengals weren't even that competitive in this game. So, David, I'm just going to let you take it away. You talk as much as you want about your Browns, and then we'll come back and I'll wrap it up with some unfortunate jungle cat news. <laughs>
1: Look, it was a straight up domination by the Browns. I never saw it come in. I had, I thought it was going to be the exact reverse scenario, but if you break it down for me, like Wally did earlier this week, you realize the Bengals still have some horrific holes that need addressed. So, so let's start with, with some stats, right? Joe Mixon ranks 65th out of 67 running backs in pass blocking. He leads the league in three sacks allowed for Pat for running backs. You could hypothetically swallow those numbers if he's running the ball like Nick Chubb is running the ball. But he's 51st out of 54 backs in elusive rating. He's only averaging two yards of carry after contact, which is second to last in the NFL. If the Bengals are going to be atrocious at pass blocking and not be able to run the ball effectively, the Jamar Chase injury is going to have much, much, much more of a significant impact on them and what they can do offensively. The Browns have major holes on defense. The fact that they held Cincinnati to 13 points, which realistically was more like six points or seven points until they scored late, I think that's more telling about Cincinnati right now. I mean, like Zach Taylor needs to go, but they also need to draft extremely well to fill some of these holes next year. And they also have the second hardest schedule remaining, which To Wally might not mean a whole lot given the parity of the league this year, but I still think it's a really bad outlook for the Bengals. I had this team as an easy division winner pick at the beginning of the season, and there's potential for them to finish behind the Browns depending on if you account for Deshaun Watson's return, if you account for strength of schedule, if you account for injuries, and you account for the holes on the roster. It's just there's a potential for them to finish third in the division after a Super Bowl run. It's a really bad outlook for them right now. But as for the Browns, don't believe the hype. The team still stinks uh, as constructed. But, you know, they'll always be in the game versus division opponents. We are literally built at every position to counter our division opponents, if you really break it down. Actually, two days ago, or maybe it was yesterday, Wally sent me, you know, you sent me this list of of Bengals O-line grades on Monday night. And the two top guys on the list i don't know i all i know is jonah williams it's the only guy i know on the Bengals o-line right so these two guys at top that rated in the high 80s according to pff that that of this Bengals o-line everyone else was 50 or lower and i asked wally if the two people in the 80s were the guards because we have the worst defensive tackles in the sport and lo and behold i was right they're the guards the Browns' roster holes will continue to get them hammered against teams that run the ball effectively, but against teams like the Bengals, where they can, you can basically tell Miles Garrett and, and Clowney or whoever's on the other side to pin their ears back and just run. They're going to look good. But in terms of teams that are going to run the ball effectively, the Browns are screwed for the rest of the season from a defensive perspective.
0: Miles Garrett had a thirty percent win rate going into this. I'd love to hear what his win rate was strictly on Monday night because Jonah Williams, there were sacks that he was allowing that he didn't get a finger on Miles Garrett. His footwork was so bad that that's where we're at. I mean, this was a disaster. If you're a Bengal fan, you lose Jadobe Wuzier, who without a doubt was your best corner at this point, to what it sounds like is a season-ending injury. Trey Flowers, he hurt his hamstring. He's banged up. Eli Apple was already banged up, and I know that we're not necessarily really high on him, but you need to have corners that know the scheme. You need to have corners that are are already accustomed to that locker room, and they're in a lot of trouble right now. You can't give enough credit to the Browns because they were phenomenal in this game, but I am a little inclined to be like you to say that this is a big matchup advantage to the Browns I mean, it's five straight games now that Kevin Stefanski's taken it to Zach Taylor and the Bengals. Joe Burrow still doesn't have a win. I mean, the play for me, though, if we want to take a step back, this was kind of a really sloppy first half. And you can point to that for both teams. Even the Browns had some weird play calling with that wide receiver pass from Amari Cooper that was picked off. You had that Jacoby Brissett fumble, which we all know is a pick when you watch that. The play that stood out to me, though, and it's where you have a little hope that Kevin Stefanski can still right the ship there, is he called timeout with about 40 seconds left in the first half when it was very clear and obvious that the Bengals were content to let it go down and kick a field goal to end the half. Stefanski forced the Bengals' hand to kick that field goal with about, like I said, 40 seconds. He misses it. Evan McPherson has been so reliable all... I guess his career at this point, but he misses that field goal. And what do the Browns do? But they double dip. They go, instead of being up eight, nothing, they go up 11, nothing on a field goal because of that timeout at the end of the half and then score the first touchdown. The Bengals have allowed defensively in the second half all year. It's, it was a just overall disaster. If you're a Bengals fan It couldn't have been a better night if you're a Browns fan. And it's got to be in the back of your mind. I know that you say you don't have hope yet. But if you win a couple of these next four games, it gives you at least the thought that playing playoff or meaningful games to get into the playoffs with Deshaun Watson can at least make it feel a little worth the circus you went through in the last offseason. I looked
1: it up while you were talking there. I can't find the pass rush win rate for that specific game but miles garrett is averaging 37 on the season after that game so i'm gonna go with it was pretty high
0: it was a big number
1: uh, and then the other thing that came with that is he <laughs> his pass rush get off rate which is like your initial pass rush success rate was 0. 0.7 seconds And it's the fastest of any player in the league. And last year, his average was 0.76. So
0: he dominated. You'll have a better idea than me. Because you know how fans of every fan base can be. There's bad ones everywhere. I have friends of mine who have always been hypercritical of Miles Garrett and felt like he should be performing more than he is. And he's getting stats in meaningless moments. When you watch him in games like this, I don't understand how there's even a 1% contingency of Browns fans that don't love this guy. He's, he's dominant. It,
1: Browns fans who who criticize Miles Garrett, who are like, you know, he needs to get more sacks. Like, those are the people that expect, like, six sacks a game and, like, the same people who expect us to rush Nick Chubb 45 carries a game. And it it's all the same completely dumb human beings that don't actually know the game of football if you watch the game and you understand the game you know miles garrett and probably 85 of his games has an unbelievable impact on the team and it's probably more i say 85 because there are games where he's getting double teamed triple teamed against good offensive lines and you just don't see the impact but the actual impact is he's taking players off the line and then it free you're supposed to have it free up clowny or if you have defensive tackles that aren't better than me it's supposed to free up those guys too
0: he's unbelievable i and it's the same group that would be clamoring for someone like for for instance for me let's just for a second the raiders have nine sacks this year the fewest in football and we have chandler jones and max crosby i can't imagine if the roles were reversed, Cleveland would be mentally imploding, where it's the same people that don't want Miles Garrett will be the ones that tell you, I need a Max Crosby. Motors nonstop. But again, you don't always see that translation onto the actual stat sheet. Miles Garrett is, it, you can make a case. I actually think a very good case that he's the best defensive player in football right now. Aaron Donald's taken a step back. TJ Watt's been out for most of the year. He's unbelievable. So I don't know why if people have a problem with him, I mean, I would have loved to have you offload him to the Raiders. That's all I got to say.
1: Browns fans are the, one of the least intelligible in sports. So I, you know, it's, I I hate to say it. I love all, I love my Browns and I love the fan base, but there are some Browns fans out there that'll make you want to just claw your eyes right out.
0: Okay. Maybe this is me. I think it's a Rust Belt thing because you had these blue collar, like men growing up in like the fifties and sixties, like injuries you play through them. We play hard-nosed football and they've passed down like the same ideology and the thought process to like the fans now where I'm sorry, football's a different game. These players, they're in this for their own job. They're in it. The, I just feel like it's transitioned so bad, whether it be Ohio state, whether it be the Browns, whether it be Pittsburgh Steelers, you see it in the AFC North fandom. You see it in the Midwest. I honestly think that there is something to the fan itself, that person in those areas that make this a fanatical fan base. It's a good thing, but it can suck too. You guys hear that noise though. It's time for 911 rapid fire. And this is going to be a fun one for you today. What I'm going to do, David, is I'm going to read off some of these major trades that happen on trade deadline day this week. And we're going to go from there and have some questions after But we had 11 trades on trade deadline day involving 13 players, the most in one day in over 30 seasons. Let's start with the first one. The Vikings, they traded tight end TJ Hawkinson for a, a 2023 fourth round pick and a 2024 conditional fourth rounder in exchange for a 2023 second and a 24 third. Then you stay in that division. The Chicago Bears finally got a wide receiver for Justin Fields when they traded their 2023 second round pick. To Pittsburgh for Chase Claypool. The Steelers weren't done making moves, though, as they traded for cornerback William Jackson III for effectively nothing. It was a cash jump for the Commanders, and the Steelers get a high-ceiling cornerback for basically nothing. We've heard this a million times before. And then perhaps the biggest trade of the day, the Miami Dolphins made a huge splash trading for Bradley Chubb from the Broncos and got Jeff Wilson for the, from the Niners as well. They immediately extended Chubb this week to a five-year $110 million deal with over $63 million guaranteed. Broncos did get a first and a fourth and Chase Edmonds back. We'll get into that here in a second as well. Jaguars, <laughs> I love this no little note, but they're betting on Calvin Ridley, and Lord knows he likes those odds because the Falcons get back a conditional. 2023 fifth in a conditional 2024 second. Remember, Ridley suspended all of this season for betting $1,500 on a game. Here's the kicker. Against the Jacksonville Jaguars last year. Can't write that. Bills has got Naheem Hines in exchange for Zach Moss in a fifth. And then a few other just trades for utility guys that rounded us out. But what a day, David. Let's start with this. Make it simple. What was your favorite move of the day and who was it from?
1: By far, my favorite move of the day was the Dolphins trading for Bradley Chubb. That is that is such a, a defense-altering trade for the Dolphins, and, and I feel like it's still not getting enough attention. Bradley Chubb is insanely talented. He is insanely talented. He's had a couple health concerns of staying on the field, but he is insanely talented when he's on the field. And I think he's missed a couple games this year, and I think he's still tied for 12th in sacks this year. After this trade, we need to start asking some serious questions, though, about the 49ers front office. And I say that, and here's why. The Dolphins have turned the three first rounders that the 49ers traded them to draft Trey Lance into Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and Bradley Chubb. The 49ers spent an insane amount of capital for a guy who isn't much more than Jimmy G, and the Dolphins took that capital and utilized it on three Pro Bowl caliber players, and likely three Pro Bowlers. The Dolphins are riding an elite talent acquisition run, and the 49ers can continue to dump capital into players that don't alter the outcomes of their roster. McCaffrey's not going to be the difference between them winning a Super Bowl and not. Trey Lance clearly is not the difference between them winning a Super Bowl and not. Well, he might be the difference. He might be the reason they don't. But they continue to dump capital into players that don't do anything for them, significantly that make them significantly better as for the broncos this is a win for them as well they get to retool in the draft they get cheaper to me if you really look at this their extension that they gave chubb starts next year so instead of paying Chubb 119 million they're avoiding having to pay that and to me That might be a sign of regret of this Russell Wilson deal, and I say that because now they're starting to find ways to get cheaper and maybe potentially eat his salary without hurting the ability to roster build. So you get a lot of picks. Realistically, this Broncos team has fewer holes than you might think, so you're getting a boatload of picks, and you're getting cheaper, and to me, that might be a sign of something awry going on with that team, right? whether it's going to be firing the head coach and maybe taking another year on Wilson or whether it's maybe cutting your losses in a year. I I know that sounds shocking, but if it doesn't get better, you know, this feels like the move that protects them. If it doesn't, that's by far, Bradley Chubb to the dolphins, by far my favorite trade of the day. That's the dolphins just keep getting better and
0: better. And I, if, you know, if Chubb stays healthy, that team is so damn scary. Tua brought up the super bowl word this week and I think it's fair to say out loud now, this is our expectation. We think we should win the Super Bowl this year. And if they stay healthy, there's no reason to believe that they can't. I would push back just a little on the San Francisco CMC move or moment where I do think that given the right opportunity, he could be the difference for them. But that is going out on a limb for a running back that has extreme health concerns. You're also talking about the same front office that – paid Jimmy Garoppolo a, a decent amount of money to be a back to quarterback. I know that that kind of works because of the Trey Lance injury, but that's also uh, you're making the best of a bad situation and what you've traded to get Trey Lance. So I, I don't know, maybe it's I'm too much of a defender of John Lynch. What makes me think, I think the Rams are almost unless Sneed has gotten into the head of San Francisco that they have to keep up in this arms race that always is happening in the NFC West. So I do like what what you were saying there, and I agree with you. I think the Dolphins take a huge step, and I love the idea of Denver imploding little by little. So I, I do enjoy that. I'm not going to say that I disagree, that being my favorite pick, but what I, I also think is worth mentioning is that the Steelers getting William Jackson to the third, they gave up nothing for him, and they have a decent amount of cap space, so you can take a risk on a guy like this, When he was with Cincinnati, he was one of the best corners in football, and I think it would be really exciting to see, if you're a Steelers fan, what he can do if Minka's back to what he's usually playing. And when T.J. Watt back, you might have something there. But here, one question for you, and then we'll move on from the trades. Did you have a move that really had you scratching your head, whether it be for too much or just you don't like the vision long term?
1: Yeah, the Hawkinson trade. To me, right, the Lions are clearly a rebuilding team. You've got a top seven tight end, a position that really, outside of the top three, it well, top three are elite, top seven or eight are great players, and then everyone else is kind of an extra offensive lineman, in my opinion. But, you know, Hawkins is a top seven tight end. Trading a weapon like him for picks when you're – you're rebuilding. He's still young. Sure, you might have to extend him a year from now, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because, sure, you get back you get back the second rounder next year and you get a third in 2024. To make this trade a win for the Lions, whoever they select with that second rounder has to be a Pro Bowl caliber player. It's got to be a great, maybe not a Pro Bowler, but goddamn close enough to make an argument for him if you're a rebuilding team and you already have a phenomenal player that's on his rookie deal still. And yeah, sure. You got to pay him $11 million next year. What are you spending that on in a rebuilding year? Anyways, I get not wanting to pay 11 million, but it's, I think it's his final year of his rookie deal. $11 million is nothing for, especially for a guy that, you know, you're probably not going to stay in the off season. So let him prove it that year and figure out if you want to move on from there and use your draft picks wisely that you already have. I just, it To me, it makes no sense from a Lions perspective, from a Vikings perspective. I'm jealous of anyone who has Hawkinson on their fantasy team because Kirk Cousins is going to throw to him a lot. And I guarantee you he throws to him a lot.
0: He's going to be a great underneath blanket, especially for a guy like Justin Jefferson and someone like Adam Thielen that has kind of fallen off. He's gotten older. He's going to have a lot less attention now, and it's going to even open him up too couple other thoughts completely agree with you by the way it was my least favorite move of the day from detroit's angle it reminds me i I think a lot of people at home even if you have never watched the show there's a clip from like 15 years ago family guy i always think about it with situations like this where yeah you get a second round or a third round pick or both i guess in this case but you're thinking like what can we get back i hope it's tj hawkinson is more or less what you're hoping for and it's it's the family guy oh my gosh Well, what I'd rather have the boat or what's in the box. Well, anything can be inside the box. What if it's a boat? It's the same kind of thing where, what if you get TJ Hawkinson? That's your home run. That is everything goes right here. But how often tight ends never hit. It's got to be the lowest swing and connect percentage rate out of any position in football. So I really did not like that. And then I even want to, I mean, I love his comment after saying, I'm excited to start winning some games. I've never been able to say that. I don't want to play him if I'm a Lions fan, because you know he's going to be pissed off. He's been there. He's stuck it through the shitty rebuild. And then as soon as you start feeling like there might be a light on the other side of the tunnel, you abandon ship. So that was really frustrating. I, but this all goes back to, I thought it was bizarre at the time, but at the NFL draft, the Vikings and Alliance made a draft day trade in day one that everybody was like confused about. Vikings gave up the 12th pick. They go up and get Jamison Williams. We don't see interdivision trades like this and for it to happen twice in nine months. I don't know. It's we might be moving into a different day and age in the NFL. A couple other things here before we get moving on unfortunate passings today or at least this past week, former co-defensive coordinator and son of former Vikings head coach, Mike Zimmer passed away suddenly at the age of 38. I know he'd been with the Bengals as an analyst this year, and he's been with that organization a lot. I know that the Zimmer family had a lot of connections with Cincinnati. So that was devastating. And then today we found out that the original punt God and hall of famer, only hall of famer in the pro football hall of fame punter, Ray guy passed away at 72 years old and, It made me really happy to know that he at least got in a few years ago because he deserved it a long time ago. He changed the way special teams are looked and thought it was crazy. He's a member of six different football hall of fames. It tells you how pivotal he was to special teams. Do you have any thoughts on either of those passings, David?
1: No, just extremely sad to see, especially Mike Zimmer's son. That's really young. That's really young.
0: And it sucks too because I'm pretty sure that we're less than five years removed from his wife passing away as well. It's just been a really, really tough period of time for the Zimmer family. So we're definitely thinking about that, have them in our thoughts and prayers. And a little bit of good news before we move on to this week's preview is Dan Snyder, David. Can it possibly be? He hired Bank of America Securities to explore selling the team are we actually going to have an NFL without Dan Snyder in our lifetime?
1: God, I hope so, man. I really do. He's just such a terrible owner. Get somebody in there that, like Steve Ballmer or whatever, who owns the Clippers, get somebody in there who's going to make it fun for Washington. Like, who's just going to spend money, make it fun, and make the team good over time.
0: It has to be the best day in Washington football in probably 20 or 30 years. We'll get into some other things with the preview about good news going for them. But with you, man, this is awesome. I hope it's crazy to feel that Jim Ursay is the guy that kind of pushed this to happening. And I think everybody's got a little soft spot in their heart for that lunatic in Indianapolis these days. This week's NFL news and 911 rapid fire was brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more. Especially if you are around our age, where there's college graduations, engagements, weddings, baby pictures, you name it. Feels like they're happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y. We're on our Instagram page at Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. That means it's time to start talking about bets again, David. <laughs> Let's first figure out how we did last week. Week eight, I was about one unit up. Steven was half a unit down. You were just over a unit up. So we kind of all stuck pretty close to the vest. Nothing crazy here. But I saw you have a little fun tidbit you threw onto this. I'd love to hear what that is.
1: Yeah, I if I didn't fucking bet week two of the season and just refrain or, you know, miss the podcast, I would be up eight units on the season. So... Big time L. I think I well, I think I was down like God, what is it? 17 units. 17 or, or 18
0: units. It was actually yeah. almost impressive at that point.
1: I, I just that it's shocking. It's just shocking.
0: You get one or two of those a year. I, I know that I had one, I want to say it was 11 units down. I think Steven had a 12. It happens once or twice a year, and you just have to just truck on and pray that it gets better. <laughs> this week, bye weeks, so your Cleveland Browns. The Dallas Cowboys, the Broncos, the Giants, the Steelers, and the 49ers. So we're starting to get into the meat of it. A little bit lighter of a slate this week. Let's start with Thursday night football. Happening here and just outside of an hour. The Philadelphia Eagles, our buddy Zach Youssef's Philadelphia Eagles, 14-point road favorites against the Houston Texans with a total of 45 and a half. I'll paint a picture for you and I'll get your pick. Steven just giving it straight up. He has Houston plus 14. But before that, the Eagles, Jordan Davis placed on IR with an ankle injury. You think that's probably a smart decision given where they're at in the year. You know, you want to protect your guy, especially a big body like that. But when I dug into this pass defense, David, 58.4 completion percentage against a league low, 1,286 yards, eight touchdowns, 10 interceptions, fifth in sacks and 24.9% pressure rate on passing situations. The Texans suck. They are in a lot of trouble, David. But is 14 too big of a number for you to bet with the Philadelphia Eagles today?
1: Not a chance. I'm taking Philly as the 14-point favorites, and I'm taking them for the money line. And I'm doing it because let's just take take a look at who the Texans have played and lost to. The Broncos, who can't score for shit the bears who sometimes good sometimes bad the chargers again sometimes great sometimes terrible they beat the jaguars and they only scored 13 points they got walloped by the raiders and uh, they had
0: the worst team they played all year too
1: and if the titans had a quarterback they had a loss by 30 to the titans if philly philly could probably close their eyes and win this game i if they're playing hard and i don't see why they wouldn't 14 points is easy for me. I think they're going to win it similar to Raider, similar to that Raiders game where it's going to end up being close to, you know, 35 to, to 17 or something. I I don't know, but it's going to be more than 14 for me.
0: Crazy that this is also the same cities matching up in the world series that's going on right now. I don't know if you're going to see, it might be a fun atmosphere where you see a million Phillies and a million, uh what Astros uniforms in the stadium tonight, but The thing that I have to go with is you know that I've been harping on the uniforms this year. And when you wear good uniforms, you play better than you should. It's the Deion Sanders. Look good, feel good, play good, pay good. They have the red helmets. They're debuting them. 14 points. Another fun fact, road favorites of 13 and a half or more are three and 10 in the last 13 games against the spread. I'm betting trends because that's what the AFC South is all about. I'm taking Houston plus 14 and give me the under 45 and a half because if Houston's going to cover, it means the under's hitting, but good news for you, David, I'm pretty sure I'm one for my last 115 bets on primetime football. If I avoid those and I just stick to Sundays during the day and then maybe just steal your primetime bets, maybe we can create some kind of Frankenstein monster gambling baby.
1: Maybe. God, I hope you're right, because I, I really would, you know, like to win this one since you and Steven are on the other side. And that always scares me when I go on the one off. But anyways, on to the next game, Indianapolis at New England. New England's a four and a half point favorite over under thirty nine and a half. The Colts fired their offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, after, you know, the atrocious start that they've had. Frank Reich being the offensive play caller now. We'll see what happens. No Jonathan Taylor practice this week. God knows if he's going to play. But what do you think, Wally? Because I'm not – this is this is a contender for ugliest game of the week for me.
0: Oh, well, this is going to be hard to watch. And I should at least have said this to start. Because Steven and I are going to be in Vegas, we're going to be at a casino for this, a lot of my bets where I was 50-50, I went with his decision because – We need to have good vibes working in that casino. You can't be betting against each other because I already know how we are competitive-wise, where you know how if you and I are sitting next to each other at a freaking casino and we have opposite bets, I'm rooting for you to die, basically. So we need to be on the same side, and that's where we're going. I'm taking the under here because, to your point, this is going to be a terrible game, terrible game. And I think that we're going to look back at this moment, as the decision or as the game that the Patriots definitively move away from Mac Jones. We're going to see Bailey's opie at some point, whether it be in a winning or a losing effort. I'm not sure. I loved your point. Frank Reich, he was already the offensive play caller. And now he's using this guy's escape go. What changes? What changes? Nothing. So give me the under, I, I would probably take it if it was 34 and a half, let alone 39 and a half. Oh, Steven has Indianapolis plus four and a half for the record.
1: Look, fuck betting spreads or money line or anything on this garbage. I have the under at 39 and a half, and that's it. Because I just don't even know what I expect to see out of this game. For all I know, New England routes the Colts. Or, you know, could be a uh, – what was it? They beat the Chiefs earlier this year. Could be a good – a game like that where the Colts just come and play football and don't do it well. But, you know, hey, they still win. I just uh, – this game is – an easy worth quality game of the week contender for me. There's another one later on, but this is bad.
0: Yeah, it's safe to say it's a far cry from the Peyton Manning Colts going to Tom Brady Belichick and Foxborough Patriots. This is a different day and age. <laughs> but all right, our next game, let's stay in the AFC East where the Buffalo Bills are 12 and a half road favorites at the New York Jets, totals 46 and a half. Lions fans, plug your ears. This is a stray shot. So if you don't want to hear something that you're not going to like, plug your ears. But fun fact, the Buffalo Bills in seven games have allowed 98 points to us in the league. The Detroit Lions in the same amount of games, 225. The Bills are really good. I know that was a stray shot to say the Lions are really bad, too, but that should put in a perspective how good this defense is then the same amount of games they are allowing 127 fewer than other teams in the league. But here's where I thought this was crazy too. Did you know that when the jets beat the dolphins earlier this year, that it broke something like a 12 game losing streak in division might be more than 12. They had not won a division game since 2019. So that's it. I know I have Steven here has plus 12 and a half. For the New York Jets, and I know this is where I'm kind of going away from what I just told you, David, but I think I'm with him because of a point he has in here. I'm calling back-to-back AFC East teams abandoning ship on a 2021 quarterback. I think that this is the last game Zach Wilson appears as a starter. Whether it be Joe Flacco or Mike White, they come in. I think you could perhaps even see a backdoor cover, but this feels like such a culture defining season for Robert Salah. He can't afford to go down with Zach Wilson and let him play like shit for another month or two. Go and try to actually get in the playoffs. So they're going to lose, but I like Jets plus 12 and a half purely because I don't think Zach Wilson plays four quarters.
1: You guys are making me nervous again, man. This is another one where I'm going the exact opposite of you two. I'm taking Buffalo's 12 and a half point favorites and the money line. I think it's the Bills game to lose. And by lose, I mean not lose the actual game, but lose and make me lose this bet. I don't know, man. That defense is, the Bills defense is so good. I just see Zach Wilson throwing three interceptions and it's too late for Joe Flacco or or Mike White to do anything about it. the The air will be out of the tires by then. So... Buffalo is my clear favorite for this. Staying with you know another fantastic team, Miami at Chicago. Miami's a five-point favorite. God, what, did you say it earlier this week? Tyree kills on pace for over two thousand yards, and Waddles on pace for over seventeen hundred. That is shocking. I don't care if there were twenty games; that's still shocking.
0: It's on pace for like a thousand more reception yards with those two than Justin Field passing yards the pace for it i mean that's how yeah. and i know fields is low but that's how staggering this receiving duo is
1: well to me it's not even it's not even tyree kill over two thousand yards that's that's shocking right it's the fact that you have that which would break an nfl record and and again sure one more game whatever that would break an nfl record and oh by the way one more waddle 150 yard game mixed in there could get him to break the previous record as well like i that's insanity. That's better than Tory Holt and Isaac Brucey days. Like, that's
0: never – Great call, never, by the way. Love we, that call for the Rams, the old school but Rams. Like,
1: those were the two – like, I, I don't know. Those were two of the top receivers in football at the time. And here we have, like, a similar scenario. And these guys are just putting up ungodly numbers.
0: You're right. It's honestly a blast to watch right now. And that's why I'm going with the over Uh, Because you have no Robert Quinn and no Roquan Smith on that Bears defense, too. I know guys like Jaquan Brisker are really flashing, but you got to imagine that this is a Dolphins team that has to be eyeing 28 or more points in this game. And If that happens, especially the way the Bears are kind of figuring things out a little bit on offense, I think it's an easy over. I should say Stephen has Chicago plus five. I don't have that kind of nerve. I can't do it. The Dolphins look too good and to your point this is an insane offense right now it's greatest show on turf kind of stuff credit to steven for being on the dolphins early kind of weirded out that he doesn't like the five points though
1: i'm in the exact opposite of of him i have dolphins as the five point favorites i have the over at 45 and a half
0: smart man along
1: with you steven calls out uh, you know in his notes here to everyone who's who's listening his, his notes, he says, <laughs> he says, Chicago is still allowing the most sacks in the league and the Chubb era starts Sunday, but then he picks Chicago plus five. I don't understand that. I think Chubb's going to end up, if he plays the full game, it's going to be probably a sack and a half, maybe two sacks. I think that helps the Dolphins secondary out a boatload more than you would think. And I just think this is a – I think this is a Dolphins walloping. I, I don't I don't think it's close. Could be very wrong for all we know. It's another 20-unit loss for me this week. But it's hard not to bet the Dolphins after they go out and get Chubb. And they're just playing so elite with Tua on the field.
0: Your point that he kind of contradicted himself. When I read sometimes his stats when he's not here and then see his picks – It reminds me of that Patrick Starr quote, the inner workings of my mind is an enigma. That is Steven. Like, I don't know where, like, he's writing one sentence one way, and all of a sudden it just bears plus five. Don't understand it. I'm not going to try to. Well, let's keep it on the Steven uh, train here. His Packers, three-and-a-half point road favorites at Detroit. Total is 49-and-a-half. We're not sure about DeAndre Swift right now. He missed practice again on Wednesday. I didn't hear if he was there already or not before we start recording today, David, I need you to tell me what to do because Steven naturally is going to do what I do. And he's taking Detroit plus three and a half because he's miserable with his team. And he has the over 49 and a half. I don't have a bet down yet. I have not put a bet down because I truly, I don't talk to me one way or another, help me have money on Sunday night.
1: I don't know because I like three and a half is such a funky number here. Right. Cause green Bay is playing awful. Like they're, they're they're like Tampa Bay. It just doesn't make sense why they're so awful. Detroit's defense is so miserably bad that I just – I think I'm taking Green Bay as three-and-a-half-point favorites. I just – this game is so confusing. It, it's my drop of the week if we were doing it, but I just – I think I'm taking the Packers because I think I'm just going to bet on Aaron Rodgers to dice up a bad defense. And maybe not horribly, but to the tune of four-plus points, I, I think I'm just taking – the better quarterback in the matchup. Uh, That's how I run down almost all of my 50 fifties is who's got the better quarterback. And in this one, it's Aaron Rodgers. So I, I just feel like green Bay is the favorites at at that small of a spread. I'm taking them.
0: God, you know, I think I'm with you because first of all, and this makes it easier too. If the Packers win by four and I have that ticket, Steven's not going to hate my guts at that point. What he's going to hate my guts for is when the Packers lose this game outright yet again, and I continue to go with the Packers, but I'm doing it. Go Pack, go. Get my cheese hat on, and I think maybe we at least see signs of life from Aaron Rodgers and the Packers here.
1: On to the next game in, in the division as well. Minnesota, three and a half point favorites at Washington, over-unders 43 and a half. Chase Young started practicing again this week. This is another one I'm not too too keen on, but I'm just taking Minnesota Moneyline, which is against what you two are doing, which, again, scares the shit out of me this week with what I'm doing. But here we are, Minnesota money line. Wally, tell me what you're doing.
0: First of all, Chase Young being back to your point, practicing at least, and Brian Robinson, they found the guy that tried to carjack him and I guess unfortunately shot him before the season. This might've been the best 24 hour stretch to my point earlier that Washington has had in 30 years, potentially Dan Snyder out too. This is going to feel like a party at FedEx field. And that's why I'm on Washington money line. I mean, the Vikings have only played two true road games to this point of the year. And in those games, they got battle axed by a better Eagles team and they beat a Teddy Bridgewater led dolphins team that was still reeling from Tua's injury before that week. All that, you bunch that together, and the fact that Washington also needs to win this game to realistically stay in the hunt with the wild card, I'm taking Washington outright. I've got more cojones on this game than Steven, though, because he has them only plus three and a half. But hey, man, as uh, Carson Wentz would say, it's time to go out there and uh, take command. I'm excited to get to work, excited to uh, come in and compete, and, uh, you know, as we all know, excited to really go ahead and uh, start to take command. Carolina is going to Cincinnati where the Bengals are seven and a half point favorites. The total set at 42 and a half. I'm going to read off some notes and then I'm going to throw it to you to, to get your pick here, David. Donta Foreman has had back-to-back 118 yard performances, had three touchdowns this last week, both game averaging well over four yards of carry. This is where I am a little weird. I, I got digging into him because he's a guy that really never lived up the hype, right? He's 26 and he's only had 293 carries in his five-year career. I love the idea of fresh legs and a guy that's playing what he feels like is to extend his NFL career. And Ezekiel Elliott, for context, is about 10 months older than him. And he has 1,759 carries. That is why you're starting to see him fall down a little bit. He's a physical runner. His body gives up. This is what I love about fresh legs. And that would scare the hell out of me if I'm a Bengals fan, because we mentioned all those injuries at cornerback. We don't know how many of them are coming back. And then Josh Tupo and DJ Reader are both out too, which kills those run stuffers. I'm a nervous about this game. I should preface that Stephen has Carolina plus seven and a half. I am going to go with the Bengals' money line in the under. I mean, the Bengals can't run the ball. They can't pass block. Their defense is in shambles, both up front and in a defensive backfield. But there's no way that they're struggling that bad to lose to a PJ Walker-led team, right? I just, I can't do it. I think it's a difficult watch. Bad football on both sides. Get Zach Taylor out of Cincinnati, but give me the under, and I'm taking the Bengals money line against my better judgment.
1: I'm at Carolina plus seven and a half Cincinnati money line, and the reason I'm that way is because I don't think Cincinnati can blow the doors off of anyone. I don't. Seven and a half is just a pretty large number for me. After they got blown out by the Browns, it's just a very large number for me to wrap my head around. Carolina looks like a whole different team with P.J. Walker and Steve Wilkes. It just looks looks like a whole different team. The offense is clicking. I think that both these teams are going to score points, but I think it's going to be close, but I still think Cincinnati the better team and will pull out a win. With that, on to the next one. The Chargers, three point favorites at Atlanta. Yet again, Keenan Allen is out because we he apparently is retiring while still collecting his contract money. <laughs> um <laughs> Patterson is designated for a turn this game. That could be a huge, huge benefit to the Falcons. Personally, I hate betting on Chargers games because they every time I bet, they do the exact opposite. It's a crapshoot. Uh, they they are but, a
0: crapshoot team.
1: It, it really is. They do the exact opposite every time. But we're still going to throw it out there. I'm just taking Atlanta plus three. I just think that Atlanta's got a good enough offense. I think Quarterrell Patterson is going to come in and and at least give them a little bit of a boost. But I just I, I think Atlanta will put up points. The Chargers may win, but I just who knows whether the Chargers could blow the doors off of them by forty or lose to them by forty because that's what you're getting with the Chargers is inconsistency.
0: Atlanta's actually ran the ball well with all guy a little bit too. So even if they really softly work him in, I know he's designated to return from the, for like the practice. I haven't heard if he's playing or not, but if he does, it'd be massive to your point. And I'm with you and Steven where he has plus three. He also has the money line. I'm going money line as well. I told you before I'm going to be out there. This is a vibe bet. Most of the guys that are out there are Falcons fans. And the last thing you can do when you're riding with a bunch of Dirty Bird fans is bet against them. I also have the advantage of rooting against my Chargers, which I'm pretty excited about too. So that never hurts. But as Steven has here down, Dirty Birds get the win. I'm with him. I I can't believe I'm I'm going complete heel turn. I'm starting to like the Atlanta Falcons a little bit. It's kind of weird. Can't say the same about the Las Vegas Raiders. Can't say I like them too much at all these days. Minus one and a half. I don't know how anyone decides they're a favorite going to Jacksonville totals 47 and a half nine sacks. I mentioned before they have Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. When's it going to show up? I I'm tired of it. I'm going with the over and it's as simple. If you get it shut out one week, you better respond the next week or heads better roll. And this could be the South Alabama Jaguars, and I'd still expect 20 or more points against this joke of a defense. And Chandler Jones, he's been a disappointment. I keep bringing him up, and it's not even his fault. I truly believe that there is a, a power that the moment you put on silver and black, it sucks your defensive acumen you suck at defense like Max Crosby has all these amazing pressure statistics and he has like one sack on the year maybe two Like that's who we are it's like I know it's probably five five six whatever but I'm just pissed off because this is such a disappointing team week in and week out that I'm not even taking any spread on it because all they'll do is upset me one way or another I'm taking you over 47 and a half so the Jaguars will win three to nothing what do you have
1: I'm riding the Raiders, baby. Raiders oh. are half-point favorites in the money line. We continue to ride the Raiders every week in and week out. I don't know. I it's I, Jacksonville's just not the team I thought they were. I really don't – I just really don't think the Raiders are going to have trouble beating them. And one-and-a-half point seems pretty low for the difference in, in quality of teams, even with the Raiders' horrendous defense. I just – I just don't think Jacksonville is that good of a team, and and I just I love the Raiders in this one. But moving on to the team you really love, Seattle at Arizona. Arizona's two-point favorite totals forty-nine and a half. Geno Smith, your boy, won off NFC Offensive Player of the Month, and Kenneth Walker and Tariq Woolen both won Rookies of the Month for their respective uh, offensive defense sides of the ball. God, DeAndre Hopkins for the Cardinals in two games since his, since his suspension, can't talk, 262 yards and a touchdown, that's freakazoid stuff. We're remembering why he was the best receiver in the NFL, consensusly, for the last couple of years. But I don't know, Wally, I I think I know where your head's at, but you tell me, what, what do you think about this game?
0: You read off those stats with all the player of the month stuff, and I want you to hear me. Because every week we're hearing a new Geno Smith stat. I'm officially at the point when I bring up Geno Smith, I am not like poking fun at you anymore. You have become a reclamation. You're a born again Geno fan. So that's fine. You're welcomed on. So when I bring up Geno things, I just want you to know I am no longer trying to twist a knife. This is just fact. We are talking in a world that Geno Smith is a good quarterback. And that's why I'm taking the Seattle money line. The idea of Arizona being a favorite against Pretty much anybody outside of four or five teams right now is kind of alarming to me. And that probably should alert me that Vegas sees something about these teams, but I I can't do it. I I mentioned to you guys on Monday's week eight recap show, this defense has allowed 37 points in the last three weeks. The Seattle defense, that is. And then one of you had a great stat going into that Saints Thursday night football game about unders with Carolina games. 49 and a half. I mean, that is seven plus touchdowns. And I love what the Seahawks and our offense is doing, but that's a big ask for their style of play. I'm going to say they get it done, but I love the under in this. I think I like the under more than anything else. And speaking of unders, this next one, also loving the Los Angeles Rams are going to Tampa Bay where Tom Brady and the Bucks are still three point favors. I think that tells you how disastrous the LA season has also been at this point. Cam Akers finally back at practice. I should have mentioned a total is set at 42 and a half. Steven has Rams plus three. I have the under of 42 and a half just because of how bad these offenses are. Plus, considering the defenses are both top 11 in points allowed at this point still. I'm taking the unders until I get told otherwise. I actually almost want to lose this bet because I want to believe that we still have a little bit of a swan song from Tom Brady. Or at least hell, maybe the Rams show us some life. What do you have?
1: Unlike the Seattle game, where I went exactly the way you went, I am staying far away from this game. Fuck this game. It's the worst quality game of the week contender. I'm not betting on the garbage. The both teams, they're both teams that lead the league and teams that have the most and do the least. I'm I'm out on it. These teams and I I have some stats here, right? They're the exact same team in different locations. Their power ranking, according to PFF, 11th for the Bucs, 12th for the Rams. Power rank on defense, Rams 5th, Bucks 17th. Power rank on offense, Rams 12th, Bucks 5th. Strength of schedule played, they're both between 7 and 11. Their tendencies on run plays, almost exactly the same in the low 30s. Pat tendencies on pass plays, almost exactly the same in the high 60s. Both suck at running the ball in efficiency. Both suck at passing the ball efficiently. I'm staying away from this garbage. One of these teams is going to win. It's not going to be a fun game to watch, even though they'll probably score points. And it might seem fun, but it's really just two bad teams playing each other. I'm out on this game. I'm not betting a single thing on this game.
0: You unintentionally, I think, just gave me an idea for prop lock and drop it moving forward, which I should point out, because I have to have a flight at 530. We're not doing that to condense the show. Next week, it will be back. So don't think that it's gone forever. But I like your idea here to stay away from a game. It's something that we've not done now in three years. I think I might start doing this with you. I think I might literally drop my game of the week, where I'll just I'll talk about it. I'll break it down. But I ain't gonna put my money on it. I If I was smart, I'd do the same thing here. I I just, again, I just don't think points will be scored. So I'm going to stick with it. But I like that, David. Let's go into Sunday night football, though, where the Tennessee Titans are going to Arrowhead. And the Chiefs are 12 and a half point favorites. The total set at 46 and a half. Steven has Tennessee plus 12 and a half. Again, he annoys me with the acronym. He doesn't even mean it here. Tennessee is T-E-N. It's not T-E-N-N. That's not the volunteers. This is the Tennessee Titans, but I digress. The only thing I can think of, and I'll throw it over to you, and I want you to tell me, this line feels absurdly big. And when I started trying to think about it, I think that spells trouble for the Titans in the idea of Tannehill starting and if that's the case, we just watched Malik Willis have a truly bad game. Yeah, I, I think it went 6 of 10, but it wasn't even, uh, I guess, a, a good representation because a lot of those completions were bad balls. If that's the case, it truly is Derrick Henry against the world. And this isn't Davis Mills and the Texans on the other sideline. I, If Malik Willis starts, it's almost alternative line kind of time for me. I, I think the Chiefs win – Easily, but, again, at home, if you hear this, I'm operating under Malik Willis not playing. If you hear on Friday morning that he, that it's Ryan Tannehill playing, then stay away. But for right now, assuming Tannehill is done, I'm taking Chiefs Mice 12-and-a-half all day.
1: Oh, I think you changed my opinion on what I was going to do. I keep going back and forth on this one. There are a couple of really good lines, uh, like really questionable lines here this week. It's a wild one to me Twelve and a half 12 and a half is a lot for especially a Tennessee team that just came off 200 plus yards of Derrick Henry without a quarterback play. I just, all I know is Kansas city is going to win the game. So I'm just putting it on Kansas city money line and that's it. I don't know. I just, that's, I'm too afraid to bet on the spread. So so I
0: will say this Kansas city money line, and I'm even writing it down on mine too, to add to this. I'm taking that as well because there's not a snowball's chance in hell they lose this game. There's not a a, a chance in hell. I know that this is where you and I and Steven were talking the other day, like taking money lines at this point, I know it doesn't pay well, but it's free money. And if you're, you're putting $10 on this, even if you're winning two or $3 back, it's two or three, you treat it like a stock, if anything. So I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm adding that to mine as well. I love that, David, why don't you throw us into Monday night and we can get on out of here, though?
1: This is like my favorite game. I'm so happy you're letting me introduce this one. Baltimore, two and a half point favorites at New Orleans. The totals is 48 and a half. Story of injuries here. You got Bateman out for the season. Michael Thomas is rumored to be out for the season now. There's a lot to talk about there. But the reason I want to talk about why I wanted to introduce this game, because it gives me a chance to expose both you and Steven at the same time. One, Captain, the original Kirk Cousins over there across from me, Wally, you learned your lesson on on betting on anyone that has original Kirk Cousins in their name on primetime football. And Steven here is taking New Orleans, is two and a half point underdogs, New Orleans money line, and the over on 48 and a half. And his first words in his notes are, Andy Dalton is going to have a day throwing against the team who is giving up the third most yards to the air. Well, let me tell you about Andy Dalton and Kirk Cousins in prime time. I can't because they suck and they're not worth talking about. So for me, Baltimore two and a half point favorites and the money line. I think Dalton, he might not be three interception bad, but he's going to stink in prime time. They're going to lose the guys like zero and 12 on Thursday nights. I have no idea how bad his Monday night football record is. I would it's love not good. to know that. It's not good. It's not good because I remember Bengals fans complaining about how bad he is in primetime way back when. I just, you know, I would never, ever bet on Andy Dalton or Kirk Cousins in a primetime football game ever.
0: Yeah, to your point, the Bengals, there was a stretch, I swear, with Dalton back when we had 16 games where the Bengals would go like 10-3 and 3 with Dalton in regular scheduled games and like 0-3 in primetime every year. And it was just Every single time it always happened. I did learn my lesson, and I think whatever I bet Dalton does happens the opposite. Whether I'm on him or last week, I'm betting against him in the Raiders and he shoves it up my hoop. It's my own fault. I'm taking the Ravens money line. Uh the Saints have no wide receivers, but beyond Olave, I still think Olave will have a big statistical day. But after that, I mean, Roquan Smith, he's making his Ravens debut and I mean, there's no reason the Ravens have to lose this game. I know they don't have wide receivers either, but when that happens, I mean, you're forced to look at the quarterback. And I know we're not Lamar fans, but Lamar is substantially better than Andy Dalton. And in a game like this, I, God, I, I don't know how the Ravens don't win. And I know that's dangerous, especially a Monday night game on the road. It's not dangerous, but I don't. I don't see it's it. Not if anything, the total 48 and a half, it feels massive to me too. And the only reason I'm not betting the under is because I saw Stephen take the over. And I'm like, what am I missing? What am I missing?
1: You're missing the fact that Andy Dalton, and I looked it up while you were talking, 6-18 and 18 in primetime games. And he's oh, so riding He's riding an 11-game losing streak in primetime. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out on, on the Saints in this matchup solely because it's in primetime.
0: Wow. This is one of those moments too. And you're going to have them as we, we do this longer. I can like vividly almost close my eyes and see myself talking about Dalton in prime time multiple times during the show's history now. And each time seeing the number go up, whether it be 0 and 8, now it's 0 and 9, 0 and 10, 0 and 11 each time. Steven or I, one of us is always like, he's due. He's due for a win. I hope this isn't the time that it happens because I'm with you, man. Baltimore money line all day. As I mentioned before, we're not going to be doing a prop lock and drop this week just to keep it condensed, make my life a little easier. It will be back next week. So that is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Loss of Down. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Loss of Down, and our Twitter at Down underscore Loss. Remember, this episode was brought to you by Abby Turner Creative. David. Brown's off this weekend. You got to feel a little nice. You kind of get to just kick your feet back and enjoy some football. What do you have? Any big plans?
1: I got to go to a wedding in Madison, Wisconsin this weekend. No so.
0: way. You're up in Madison. Good for you. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, good for me, except for the flights cost a, an arm and a leg because Wisconsin's playing a home game. I want to shoot oh,
0: myself. It, you couldn't like, even fly in MKE and then
1: drive over? It would cost me the same amount. I guess with the rental car. Rent a
0: car. Yeah, it's
1: it's like I looked into it. I did look into it because I was like, this is stupid expensive. And then I look at it. I'm like, it's so expensive. It it cost me like a hundred dollars more to get a first class ticket than ride in coach. That's how expensive tickets were. And I was sitting there. I was like, why the hell is this happening? It's like Wisconsin home game. All the hotels are booked. So those are expensive. But I'm super excited for the wedding. I'm excited for you and Stephen to be in Vegas. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. You Don't got it up Dad. half naked on the strip. That that's not good.
0: Well, me. that's going to happen one way or another. I <laughs> promise you that. God, dude, that's awesome though. You have to have probably about a dozen spotted cows for me. I swear if you weren't flying home, I would make you bring some back, but because you are, I'll be respectful. I'll let you have just your fun at your wedding. To play Maryland. I can't believe that Maryland has a big enough draw to affect I don't flights I don't Madison. know
1: if it's I don't know if that's solely the reason but I'm like to fly into Madison airport I have to imagine that's got to be at least half of the reason I like I just yeah. have to imagine it's half the reason
0: have you been to Madison I know you've been to Milwaukee have you been to Madison before
1: yeah I used to work in Madison with UI a couple times a year so I I love Madison but it's
0: a beautiful town
1: yeah it really is
0: god I just love we always just have this like
1: Dude, just off
0: in Wisconsin often
1: the most underrated state maybe in the country I I that might be a hot take because there' are probably a handful out there that, that we don't better, know about right that but, we don't know about but to me Wisconsin is so underrated and and it's for Milwaukee and Madison alone I don't know it's just it's hard to explain until you actually get somebody there and they have to understand why like you don't understand why until you've gone
0: even going, like, because I know the, the the ideas of Wisconsin, it's freezing, it's miserable, there's cows everywhere, it's just dairy farms. Even going up there in winter, when you would expect it to be completely miserable, it really shows how un- unique the, the people of Wisconsin are, because it doesn't affect them. If anything, I feel like they party even harder to make it mm-hmm. worth it. They work hard, they play hard, they have great food, great people. That's the part for me, the people are the greatest thing in the world. But I guess that's all I got. We've been stroking off uh, Wisconsin long enough.
1: I will continue and forge on to stroke off Wisconsin.
0: Good, as you should. Well, I'll never stop you from that on this (laughs) show. Obviously, I'll I'll get this out as fast as I can tonight. Monday, remember, it's David and I again. Unique show. It's going to be a little bit less structured, a little bit more just let's talk football. Maybe even give you some halfway award winners maybe look ahead to our picks of the divisions it'll be a really fun show so you'll definitely want to tune in for that but David do you have anything else I think that's all I have
1: oh that's all I got
0: all right buddy you fly safe I'll fly safe and we will see you guys on Monday afternoon